It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm Zach Blackerby, your host of this show every single day. In today's show, we got some action to talk about. We got some action to talk about as Auburn football, they... They had an open practice, open practice to fans, first time in over a decade. I think I saw that this was the first open practice since 2007. I believe that was the year, and it sounds right. It sounds right, because Gus was there for eight, and yeah, that's um, that's crazy to think about, but apparently over 3,000 folks were there, which is uh, exciting. I was... I really didn't know what to guess going into it. I didn't know if it'd be a thousand or two, or if it'd be like ten thousand people. I, I I just I had no idea because we haven't seen this in so long. There's nothing really could have, uh, to compare it to. But you know, the conversations going into it were okay. So you've got some um, you got some excitement about this just because it's football and it's an excuse to go into Jordan Hare Stadium. And I bet a lot of the folks that were there on Saturday, didn't go to any games because it was really hard to get tickets and you had to be a student for a lot of the action because of COVID and all that stuff. So like, there was some excitement going into this practice, but a lot of people were like, you know, we're not going to learn anything, but it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be exciting. And I was talking about it with Justin Ferguson on, you know, the, the show Friday, the last show prior to this open practice. And I told him, look, I know a lot of people are saying this, but I just, I disagree. I think that there's plenty to take away from it. And there was, and there was. And so the the biggest thing was, okay, let's see who lines up where first and then how often and who does Bo Nix throw the football to and all that stuff. So there was a lot to talk about and let's just jump into it. So the, the big thing is, of course, the offensive line and the defensive line. We'll start with the offensive line first. And it's the same group that we saw last year after Brandon Council got hurt. So Council did not participate. He had a sling on his right arm for his right shoulder. And so starting left tackle, Alec Jackson. Starting left guard was Tayshawn Manning. Center was Nick Brahms. At right guard, it was Keandre Jones. And at right tackle, it was Broderius Ham. So that was if nothing changes this offseason. That's where Harson is looking to start, I'm guessing, is he's looking at last year and he said, cool, let's start where they left off and then let's just kind of mix and match until it makes sense and maybe guys can get better. So that was the first unit. I guess that's not a surprise just because they went chalk from where it was last season after Council went down. Then the second unit from left to right, left tackle was Austin Troxel. Tate Johnson was the left guard. Jaleel Irvin was the center. Cam Stutz at right guard, and then Brendan Coffey at right tackle. The biggest thing to me when I first saw that was, where's Killian Zaire? And then I'm like, well, Coffey's going to be in over Zaire. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Troxel is still, still around. So that makes sense. And then the third group, Killian Zaire was left tackle, Garner Langlow at left guard, Avery Jernigan at center, David Shannon at right guard, and Prince Michael Sammons 
at right tackle. So biggest takeaways there are, you know, one of my projections happening with, with Coffee. He's lined up at right tackle at the two deep. Can he somehow, you know, make it to where he, you, you want him and Ham on the field at the same time? And then Alec Jackson's just a guy that we haven't really talked about, which is funny because he was Auburn's left tackle last year. Can he hold on to that? Because he was bad. He was really bad last year. But also, he's got a full season of experience. And also, you know, this is a, this is a guy that's new to the position. What does that look like? And we saw what it looked like last year, but now he's got his feet up under him. Maybe he can take that next step. I'm skeptical, but maybe that's the, that's the glass half full way of looking at it. All right, for uh, you know, staying on the offense, they ran a lot of two tight end stuff. Harson talked about that, and Tom Green of AL.com's got a good write-up about it. But you saw J.J. Pegues and Luke Deal line up at different places. You saw them at fullback. You also saw Pegues at the slot, which... I can't wait to talk to Charlie Five about that tomorrow. Um, he caught a um, he caught a, both of them caught passes from Bo Nix, which is obviously exciting. And then uh, Brandon Frazier got some action as well. So the starting group was that first offensive line, and then obviously Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby, and then you had Biggies and Brandon Frazier, then Elijah Cannon, uh, Canyon and um, and Kobe Hudson. So those are your first two. Receivers, and then the third receiver that you saw was Malcolm Johnson Jr. And who who we talked about this last week, and he made a good route. He made a, a few plays that you're really excited about. And I think Malcolm Johnson Jr. is the dark horse of this offense. As of right now, he is my guy. Where it's like watch him pop in 2021. Maybe not lead the team. I think Kobe Hudson's going to lead the team from a receiving standpoint, but. Malcolm Johnson Jr., I think the dude's got what it takes to pop. That's all I'm saying. And I think we saw it early and often from Bo Nix, which is big because he's going into the season not knowing who he can trust. You got to assume he'll trust Capers to some extent once he comes back. He was limited, which was good news. But, yeah, I mean, this could go any any which way, which is very, very fun. Also, Kayla Newton got in uh, with first-team reps as well. And I think that is something that surprises me a little bit because that's another guy that I just haven't really talked a whole lot about. And so we're going to have to start spending a little bit more time on him, I think. So let me know what you guys think on this. Is How valuable was all of this information? Because I think it was huge. I think it kind of narrows down who has a legitimate shot. And to me, the biggest shock of all of this, honestly was probably Killian Zaire being the three deep. But when you really think about it, it's like, well, who is he going to beat out in the two deep? So maybe that's just ignorance on my part. I'm not sure. And then when Brandon Council comes back, what happens? Does um, does then, in theory, I guess, Keandre Jones scoots back and replaces Cam Stutz? And then Cam Stutz then scoots back and uh, replaces David Shannon? I- I'd love to know what that looks like or if there's anybody shifting over to center or to uh, the other guard and pushing other people back. That, that'll just be, um, that'll be fun to see. And uh, I, I guess the last thing before we go to break, talking about the offense, the Piggies hype is not going anywhere. And once again, I can't wait to talk to Charlie Five about this because I think he'll be okay saying that he is a Charlie, uh, or not Charlie Five, I think he is a, uh, he is a J.J. Piggies hater. And... I haven't had the nicest things to say about him as far as his performance. I'm sure he's a great guy, but 
if Harson likes him in that role, and the fact that he was a detached tight end, he was in the slot, that's... I, I think that means something. I think that says something. All right, we'll touch on the defense in just a second. And then our final segment today, Lindsey Crosby, we will uh, recap Auburn baseball with a, uh, with a rough weekend against the very talented Ole Miss Rebels. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Blue Chew. Love that they've hopped on as partnering with the network. Blue Chew's tablets, they combat all forms of ED, and uh, they can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office or none of those awkward conversations. And you don't even have to wait in line at the pharmacy because it ships right to your door and it's in a discreet package. No one will know. The process is simple. Just go to bluechew.com and sign up. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, bluechew.com. And you can consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part is it's all done online. So uh, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, no spaces, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping fee. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And, of course, we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Who? Uh, a lot of folks lost a lot of money. <laughs> uh, March Madness. But a lot of folks made a ton of money. They made a ton of money. And, of course, uh, those are the folks that probably use betonline.ag just because you get more stats and more information and more access to things at betonline.ag than you do anywhere else. So, uh, with these real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. I mean, if you were watching Kansas and you're like, Kansas is going to come back, and you threw some money on it, you made some money at betonline.ag. So head over to the website, or you can use your mobile uh, device or your, your laptop, whatever, betonline.ag, and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON when you sign up. Um, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing on, would love to talk a little bit about the defense. I'm sure you guys are okay with that. It's the first time we got to see this 3-4 that everybody's been hyping up behind uh, Derek Mason, which is exciting. And the biggest surprise of the day, possibly. Let me just read the first team defensive line. Jeremiah Wright and Tyron Truesdale defensive tackle with Colby Wooden at defensive end. And then the linebackers that you saw, T.D. Moultrie and Derek Hall were on the outside. And Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean were on the inside. So Jeremiah Wright is a starter and Chandler Wooten is not based on, based on that. Okay. All right. Uh, Jalen Simpson and Roger McCreary were the corners. And Smoke Monday and Ladarius Tennyson were at safety. I love Tennyson at safety. I talked about how this was a possibility. I think it's actually happening. And then they put Nehemiah Pritchett in at cornerback when they went to that package. So one thing about that, and we'll talk to Justin later in the week because he's the scheme personnel guy, but several people referred to Pritchett playing this position as nickel. That's what I did. But a lot of people said that he was playing the inside corner. 
And I need someone to explain to me if that's a different thing or not. Because I thought the nickelback was whenever you took out a linebacker and replaced them with a, with a defensive back. It didn't matter if they were a safety or a corner. You still called it nickel. And in the NFL, most of your nickel players are your third corner, your slot guy. And you see that throughout college football as well. You just saw Auburn with Kevin Steele. They typically use more of a safety type player. But you can do it. You can use whatever you want. It's just a, a scheme thing. So I've seen some people write about it saying inside corner. And I've seen some people write about it saying nickel. And I want to get that term correct for you guys so when you listen to this and you talk about it um you sound smart because i'm trying to sound smart and it's really hard sometimes so the second team defense was uh dre butler and marquise burks and lee hunter and then you had caleb johnson and jaron handy as the stand-up edge guys and then cam riley and chandler wooten were at inside linebacker and then uh the second team corners were eric reed jr and kamal haddon and then uh, Chris Thompson Jr. and Trey Elston worked at safety. So I think Chris Thompson Jr. has the biggest chance to um, to overtake somebody's reps, maybe not as a starter, but crack that rotation. And then, you know, Kamal Haddon is a guy that a lot of folks, a lot of recruiting folks were very high on as far as being ready to play in the SEC. Juco guy, older guy, more experienced, and you don't see Marco Domeo. So there you go. Thought that was interesting. And then Chandler Wooten not being a starter is is wild. But if he's listed as an inside linebacker, you're not going to put him over Owen Papo and Zacoby McClain. I just thought that they would find a way to put all those guys on the field. But they probably like the idea of having rotation ability and some depth there. I think that's going to be fun to see. Um, I'm trying to think what else we want to really break down and talk about. And Desmond Tisdall and Amari Harvey... They were in yellow non-contact jerseys, which was good. Um, okay, here's something. So the second team offense, um, Grant Loy was dressed up, but he was dealing with a hammy issue, a hamstring issue. And so the second string quarterback on Saturday was walk-on QB Trey Lindsey. It wasn't Grant Loy, even though I think it would have been Grant Loy if he was healthy. But he went in over D. Davis, and he went in over Jael Garnett. So a lot of the folks that listen to the show, and including some of the guests, I know Noah's very high on D. Davis that comes on the show, and then several of you have texted and left voicemails when I'm like not super high on D. Davis as a true freshman. I think this kind of says where he's at. And you can totally make the argument it's very early, but I think that is kind of where we are this season. I, I think D. Davis is going to be a player. I, I really, really do. I just don't think you're going to see him yet. And they talked about it. You know, you can read about it and you can see it. Like, every now and then he'd have a really good throw, a really good moment. And then he would, you know, it just seems like things are moving a little too fast for him still. And that's going to take time. That's normal. That's not a bad thing against him. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Tom Green's article on AL.com. Who did he throw his pass to? Uh, all right. Green writes, Davis made some nice crisp throws at times, but it's evident this is his first week of college practices and he's still trying to keep up with everything. He also turned the ball over on a fumbled snap during 11-on-11 work. So it's just taking it time. Um, Oh, it was Lindsey that made the good throw. Lindsey made a few nice throws throughout the day, 
downfield strike to Javaris Johnson during the pace period. So there you go. There you go. TomGreenAvail.com has a really good write-up of everything that went down Saturday. And then, of course, in the Locked On Auburn Discord, we were promoting Justin Ferguson's work at the Auburn Observer. Um, highly worth the $6 a month to get access to that. Today's show brought to you by the best-tasting protein bar ever in the whole world. You know what we're talking about. We are talking about a Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com. And we are now... Get into the nitty-gritty of figuring out which Built Bar is the best-tasting Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar, for it is uh, Built Bar Madness, and today's matchup is coconut versus birthday cake. Now, most hosts, most of the hosts throughout the Locked On Podcast Network, they can get down with coconut-flavored Built Bars. I'm not a coconut fan. I'm not. Maybe that makes me cocoa nuts. I don't know, but... Birthday cake, I've had the birthday cake built bar and it's very, very good. So uh, you can head over to builtbar.com or you can go to their social media at bar underscore built on Twitter. And uh, I'm voting for birthday cake today, but most coconut will win this because uh, it's, it's one of my wife's favorites. She likes coconut. I, I, I don't, but a lot of folks do. And a lot of people say it tastes like an almond joy and it's good for you. High protein, low calorie, virtually no sugar, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. It's a new promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Joining us now are uh, our, our Auburn baseball expert and you know, Lindsey Crosby at Auburn Banker on uh, all the social medias and in the Locked on Auburn Discord. We talked about this a week ago, bud. How bad was this going to be? And actually... It wasn't that bad. It's just Ole Miss was the better team in close game situations. Yeah, you know, you you. I think you said it in the Discord on Saturday. You're like, okay, like I thought this was going to be a lot worse than it was. Totally. And then I think I think the team heard you on on Sunday to start Sunday's game, and so they wanted to make that one dramatic. Um, but yeah, it was a lot closer series than we all kind of worried it was going to be, just based on how we performed recently. Um, you know, the team actually. Maybe Sunday, notwithstanding, and even Sunday, so showed themselves pretty well. Like did did relatively decent. Friday, I mean, an absolute gem from Cody Greenhill. Holy cow! Seven inning pitch, career high, four hits, one walk, four strikeouts, and like just saying all of that doesn't encompass what he actually did. Because when you're watching the game, Cody Greenhill is not a hundred percent. His foot is still bothering him. I think it's his toe specifically. And so he doesn't have the fastball velocity that he normally has. He's having to get guys out with his secondary pitches. And so to go out there and allow less hits than old Mrs. Gunnar Hogland, who, you know, had 13 strikeouts and went 120 pitches into eight innings. I mean, Cody Greenhill allowed less, less hits than him. Um, it was, it was an amazing, amazing outing for Cody Greenhill, something that we honestly didn't know if he could deliver to that level on a Friday night yet. 
Uh, I mean, definitely MVP performance for him. Yeah, I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. The the combination of him coming back from that injury as well as some other things. And then the competition, you know, going on the road and playing at Oxford, one of the toughest places to to get a win and have an outing like that. So props to him. Uh, is he your MVP from Friday? He's definitely the MVP. He earned it. Um, I mean, that was that was a very, very impressive performance. Um, it's, it's a shame the whole thing was spoiled by one pitch. We brought in freshman Joseph Gonzalez to relieve him uh, for the eight, and he – Gonzalez allowed one breaking pitch that just stayed up in the zone, and Calvin Harris, the pitch hitter, rocked it for a solo shot. The only only run scored in the game. Yeah. Um, just absolutely gem from Cody Greenhill. And then, honestly, this is what you think of when you think of Friday nights in the SEC, is you think of two amazing pitchers just going at it, and that's definitely what we got Friday night. Good showing from Auburn to keep themselves in it and have a chance to win this game. All right, Saturday they were in it as well. They lost uh, five to six. Take us through that one. Yeah, so Mason Barnett struggled a little bit. Uh, three innings pitch, five hits, six runs. Only four of those were earned, and I think that's really kind of what tripped him up. Uh, so we ended up getting down six to two after three innings. Uh, but Brooks Fuller, Carson Swilling, Blake Burkhalter, those three guys came out of the bullpen and combined for six scoreless innings. Um, Auburn battled back. We had the the tying run on and the winning run at the plate and Tyler Miller in the in the ninth and hit a deep fly ball to right center and caught on the warning track in the game. It had a chance. So, it had a chance. It had it it had a chance. If it was you know, if it was ten degrees warmer, that's probably just over the fence and Auburn sending in the closer in the ninth to try to keep that game. And then uh all right, I guess uh who's your who's your MVP from Saturday? Ryan Bliss. Two for five, two home runs, two RBIs. Was just really impressed with him. He made a great defensive play as well. Just kind of stepping up and and leading the the team as far as chemistry wise. Just watching on TV, seeing how he was getting the team fired up as well as producing at the plate. And then Sunday, you kind of uh, you kind of previewed it, but Auburn gave up 19 runs. They they scored 11, but you know they still lost by eight. Yeah, it, it really felt like a like a football game for a while. We were down fourteen to nothing. Gosh. We scored nine runs and then they came back and scored five more. Uh so Trace Bright, you know, um he gave up four hits, seven runs, uh, in one and a third inning. He retired the Ole Miss in order in the first and then got an out in the second and then loaded the bases and just started letting runs in. Uh he got seven runs in before they finally pulled him out of the game. But couldn't just couldn't locate. He was he walked three guys. Um, you know, had some odd stuff. Couldn't play, make a pitch when he needed to, and so they could kind of sit back. They knew his breaking stuff wasn't going to be in the zone, so they could just sit back and wait for a fastball. And they did. They definitely did. Overall, just as a whole, for the most part, the bullpen struggled. Seth Thomas came in, gave us two innings of a one hit, one run ball. Will Morrison made a season debut, one in the third innings pitch with one hit, but for the most part. Uh, just a lot of runs allowed out of the bullpen. Peyton Glavin allowed three runs. Cam Hill allowed two, uh, two earned three total runs. Jack Owen made his debut, uh, pitched a third of an inning, four hits, five earned runs. So we've got to figure out the back end of the bullpen. We've got to figure out who we can trust, and we've got to figure out who can make the pitches when we need to make them. All right, who's your MVP from uh, from Sunday? You know, I, I dogged him a couple weeks ago, but uh, Rankin Woley. Okay. Went three for five with a run. Of, yeah, 
one run, one RBI on Sunday. He had two hits in that eighth inning, and he's actually he has had a uh, 12-game hit streak. So I, I doing the doing the math, I feel like that's about when I called him out on the pod. So I'm glad that he listened to Locked On Auburn, and I'm yes. glad he's taken that criticism to heart, and he's been producing ever since then. He even shaved the beard for us. Uh, all right, so Auburn's sitting at 11-8 and eight overall, 0-3 in the SEC. That's not a good place to be at. I'm more okay with the 0-3 in the conference just because I kind of expected that starting things off in Oxford. But 11-8 and eight when all but three of your games have been non-conference, that's just, that's not good. That's not good to only be three games above 500 at this point of the season. Yeah, now the thing of that is of those eight losses, Four of them were to ranked teams. So we have three against Boston College, who's currently number 18, sure. and Oklahoma, who's number 25. So, you know, that is a little bit of a – there's not quality losses in baseball. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not like the college football playoff. But that is something to think about. It's not like Auburn's lost only in its traditional non-conference group of five schedule. They played some quality teams. They played, you know – whether it was Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas A&M in a non-conference or Boston College, they've had some some closer matchups. But yeah, it's, overall the record's not necessarily where you want it to be. And you know we don't have a ton of those stat padding Tuesday games coming up. Um, we're going to be hosting Kentucky this weekend after a, a short game Tuesday against South Alabama, and then we have to wait and play Arkansas the week after that. It's you know we're in the heart of the the SEC order now and we've got to start picking up some of these wins on these weekends if we want to make the regional Lindsey crosby where can people find you my friend at auburn banker on all the socials and the discord awesome man thank you so much for your uh weekly auburn basketball wisdom that'll do it for today's show you can uh check us out of course tomorrow but in the meantime follow us on twitter i'm on twitter at z blackerby the show's on twitter at locked on auburn on instagram at auburn podcast We are also on the TikTok. If you kiddos are into that, nearing 1,000 followers on there, would appreciate you joining our community there as well. Or, of course, on Discord. Just uh, go to the episode description for a link to join that as well. We'll see you tomorrow for a Charlie Tuesday right here on Locked on Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.